0: hello everyone welcome back to another episode of don't be so dramatic my name is rachel and this is the podcast where i talk to different people in the entertainment industry to discover what their job involves and how they got there now, for this week's episode, I had with me the lovely Claire Vanderboom. Claire is an actress. She has worked both here in Australia and overseas, um, mostly in America. If you remember the shows Love My Way and Rush from back in the day in Australia, Claire was in both those shows. She then travelled over to America to do such shows as Hawaii 5 and the Pacific. And she was back last year to film the film Palm Beach. Now, these are just a few credits that I can name because we could be here all day naming what Claire has been a part of and that's not even naming all of her theatre credits as well so she has had such a blessed career and I was really excited to get to talk to her and that's something that we do unpack in the episode is this idea of um in inverted commas success and this idea that once you've done this big amazing job that the work just kind of keeps coming to you and and that's kind of it your career is on this trajectory which is not the case there's lots of ups and downs for even the most successful actors we obviously also talked about um, working here and then going over to LA and her experience working in LA and also New York as well she lived in New York for a period of time and then coming back here to base herself here and having the support of her network behind her to do that so without further ado let's jump in Claire thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today very happy to be here. Just down the road from you. Yes, down the road. Not physically together, but just doing our best over Zoom. Thank you, Zoom. I feel like Zoom should really be a sponsor of the podcast now. After this whole
1: period, <laughs> that has made gazillions. I'm sure. Oh,
0: for sure. Yes. Um. So you are an actress. You've had a, a very amazing career in both the Australian and American industry I was obviously kind of looking at um, all of the work that you've done and sometimes I'm like okay I'll um, you know I'll rem- I'll try and remember most of the work that someone has done. But I looked at yours and I was like, oh, no, that's no, I'm (laughs) I give up. I'm not going to be able to remember all of that, Um, which is amazing. I'm so happy for you Um, now. You're originally from Broome, so my immediate kind of thought was, what was the um, drama scene like in Broome for you growing up? Where did that kind of interest in the industry kind of come from?
1: I mean, there's a lot of vibrancy in Broome. There's a lot of vibrancy in the Kimberley. So I think as a kid, we grew up in a little shack with not much. I, I was in a camp bed next to my mum and dad for the you know first seven years of my life, and well, you had to go outside and play, you know, we had GWN and ABC, but that was just sort of, dad was a real union guy. So we'd watch the news in 60 minutes or Four Corners and, um, you know, a bit of Astro Boy or whatever, but otherwise it was like playtime. And we lived uh, near a crocodile park and a zoo. So yeah, my, some of my earliest memories are sort of imagining that a crocodile had got out or... my imagination I remember was pretty wild from a from an early age and yeah we were out I was out and just making mud pits and playing with G.I. Joes and funny little hand-me-down my little ponies and whatever and we we were making making up stories from a pretty young age Mm -hmm. so I feel I'm quite nostalgic obviously about that time I romanticize it in my head um but I am really grateful for it. I'm, I'm, I still feel an enormous connection to the Kimberley and because my father's still up there, I get to go there as much as possible, um, love going there as much as possible. So it feeds me. I feel very, very connected to it. And there's a lot of electricity in the air and in the earth up there, which is a, a wonderful kind of starting place for an artist, I think.
0: Mm. And I think it's a very like interesting... Um, placed as a kid to kind of, um, I guess, figure out who you are as a person, Um, you know, uh, on a a kind of similar level, I guess. Um, I grew up, you know, right next to the bush. And so like similar, you know, my childhood was every single afternoon running around in the bush, um, playing sword fights with sticks and, you know, if it rained, digging out dams in the mud and stuff like that. And yeah, similar to you, it's such a, you do romanticize those times and um, it's such an interesting way to grow up as a kid as well.
1: Yeah. And when I moved to the city, it there was a, there was a real teething period because obviously the heart of China, uh, the heart of Broome is Chinatown. And there's a, you know, very big Chinese cemetery there and a Japanese cemetery. And my father was a pearl diver for many years on the luggers. You know, he got to Broome in, I I believe, uh, early, early 60s or late 60s. Um, So there's a real melting pot of cultures there. And I have many, you know, a lot of my, my half-sisters, Um, she's part Indigenous and she's part Chinese and so there's a lot of cousins and a lot of beautiful kind of chaos going on there (laughs) and a lot of a lot of history her dad was stolen generation she was a Beagle Bay woman and so you grow up around this kind of again it's very vibrant and kind of eclectic and but you don't realize as a kid that's just the norm so there was a transition big time when I moved to Perth and and again when I moved to Sydney and I you know I still think we're dealing with a lot of the stuff that I was sort of Piecing together as a young woman, going well. Hang on. There's there's some there's some racial problems going on here, and there's some segregation, and there's some yeah. There's still the same problems that have been around for many many years. So again, food for an artist. Like you know, there's yes. a lot of a lot of thought that yeah, a lot of I've, I've thought long and hard about a lot of this stuff, and there's no easy answers. But part of
0: part of my life's work is kind of asking those questions. Mm. Um, it's kind of the creative industry I think we're very lucky in a sense that it is an industry where you do get to dwell on the the things of your past and use that in your work I think that's a really exciting thing Um, and and it also makes your work very individual as well you know no one's past is the same and so if you're looking back on the things that you've experienced and using that in your work then i think that that creates such an interesting if you're an actor a character um, or whatnot um, to present because it's always going to be different from someone else's you know
1: yeah i believe that i believe we are absolutely using what we have and using our imagination to add to the experience and heighten you know, when, when you're playing murderers or rapists or, you know, you know, the good guys or the fairies or whatever, it's, it's just, <laughs> just highlighting and massaging and, you know, going to the ends of the earth with your imagination. But at the end of the day, it has to be, you know, it has to sit in you in a really honest way. Mm. So, yeah, I had I had a lot of vibrancy in my childhood to kind of yeah. <laughs> to draw from for sure.
0: Yes, and so then, so you've um graduated from NIDA. Um, what was it? A kind of um, you knew for a while that you were wanting to go to a a drama school, whether that be NIDA or someone else, someone else, somewhere else. Um, or um, yeah, what what was your kind of experience with kind of learning that that was where you wanted to take your life early on?
1: Uh, I had an incredible teacher in high school. Her name's Rebecca Cody. And at the time she would have been in her mid twenties, you know, we're still friends. She's actually the first Australian born and the first female uh, headmistress of Geelong grammar, you know, in 160 something years of that school, she's a really powerhouse of a woman. So she was one of my mentors early on and she pulled me aside, uh, in year 12 and said I wouldn't wish this career on anyone but I think you could have a really interesting life in it (laughs) and it was so sobering because I she I adored her so much I knew she meant it and she was it was a sort of a there was a warning in there but it was also a support and I think that that's right for this world that we swim around in I think it can be really tricky and you have to have a lot of strong tools with your mental health because this career is very up and down. And I, as you said, my my um, CV looks very strange because I've spread myself over New York and LA and I've spread myself over theatre and film and TV and that's been my choice and that's been my journey. But that's hard, it's hard on relationships, it's hard, just, it's a, it's a tricky life to navigate because it's pretty topsy-turvy but it's also so rewarding. So I think I was sort of in denial for a little while that it was what I wanted to do, but I went to live. I left home as soon as, as soon as I left school, I I went to live in France. And when I came back, I auditioned for NIDA, I believe at the end of that year. And at the time um, John Clark said to me, you're too young, come back next year and kind of gave me a, you know, a, a look in his eye that said, we'll let you in next year. Mm. So I did, I was already one year at Curtin, sorry. So I did another year at Curtin University in Western Australia, where I was still, you know, I was doing theatre, but I was also studying public relations, whatever the hell that is, and journalism and <laughs> communication cultural studies degree,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which is, again, wonderful food for learning who you are as a human being. And at that age, going through a lot of figuring out who I was. So I, I'm grateful that I wasn't let in that year that I've, you know, John said, "Can't get another year under your belt. My experience at NIDA was extraordinary. Um, hard, complicated, but, and it takes a while when you get out to, to be okay with it. You definitely have to vomit out a bit of stuff and re yourself a little bit. Um, but I'm very, very grateful for that time. But I'm also someone that I'm always in class. Like I'm in class right now. I'm getting up at 5.30 on a Tuesday to Skype, to Zoom with my class in Los Angeles because I've, I've been on and off with this teacher there for 10 years and that's just scene work. But if I'm not working, my, I know about myself that if my muscles aren't <laughs> stretching if I'm not in a voice class or an acting class and then I don't work for two or three months and get an audition, I know what my nervous system's like. Mm. I need to stay close to work. And that's not necessarily like you've got to be working on a scene all the time. It's just making sure you are looking at art and music and opera and history. And I have a curiosity that fuels how I live and, and it feeds into my work. Um, So that I would, would have learned that at NIDA. I I believe that I learned that at NIDA because obviously Tony Knight is like a walking encyclopedia and Kevin Jackson, who I'm still very close to, who I adore. I still use the tools that he gave me and I, that's, you know, I'm teaching now at Hub and I, was driving my students nuts last night, saying, <laughs> <"You're> teaching them <laughs> yeah. where to like circle your commas and there's a pause there, and do you do your dictionary work? You think you know this wonderful girl was working on a monologue and she said the word star crossed, and I was like, but what is star crossed? And let's Google it, and then you realise it was first um, the first time it was used was in Romeo and Juliet. You know, Shakespeare made up this word, and for me, I don't know about her, the poor girls, just like I'm so bored. <laughs> I've always just gone wow like how cool is language and this dive that we go on whenever I get work my greatest joy is that early time of the detective work it's just the most exciting time and I take it really slow if I can afford to if I have time that's where I love to splash around that's 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 the iceberg that they talk about that people see
0: the tip but you want to have this
1: beast of a mountain underneath it.
0: Mm. I think it's so um, interesting about the drama school stuff. I like. I really have so often come across, you know, myself included, people who, for you know, at drama school, we kind of learnt more about ourselves through the social interactions with our teachers and with our peers and that period in your life you know your early 20s I know for me like I I definitely went through some really hard times mentally in drama school and that's not because of the classes I was going to it's just that period in your life so it's just like drama school is you know such an interesting time um to experience and yeah and let me
1: be clear I was terrified of my teachers until years after I'd left mm. you know because it's a very small little bubble that you're in and they can say one thing you know I was, I was quite sensitive and they could say one thing to me and I would just grab it and go oh my god I suck or or you know what the hell does that mean and I'd be too scared to kind of I'd feel like I was too stupid and I should know better. But that's all the stuff, of course. That's just because you're in your late teens, early 20s. Yes. And still now, like, God, I I, <laughs> I believe that most actors should be in some form of therapy. Like, I just think we need it because we're diving into this stuff and our mental health is really, really important because it's we're, we're fooling around with some some deep stuff and some, you know, even if it's comedy, it's like, how do we get under that? And we have to know ourselves and know who we are in order to know what our shitty habits are or our great habits are or the hooks that we have and the triggers that we can use. So yeah, it's a. am so thrilled, even though I've had so many really hard times of going, this career sucks, this is too hard, I'm too broke, this is too distressing. I can't cope. Um, yeah, I'm still here. I think a lot of people do fall away because it does get too hard. Mm. I've also I've been very, very lucky, but I've also stayed curious. So somehow I've been able to stay in the stream and just um, still in it, rolling rolling merrily, merrily along.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it's, about, it's kind of about being adaptable, I guess, to... Uh, carry that fulfilling feeling throughout your career you know it's and that's not an easy thing in any sense to be able to be adaptable all of the time you just never know what's going to come your way and you have to be ready that it's going to be something that you never expected and it's going to be something that you're like oh okay so this feels right this is where we're going now and that could take you down a road to somewhere inevitably where you're like oh and yeah this is this is what i ultimately wanted kind of thing. So and that's the you know being adaptable is tiring as well. So i agree you just have to be so in tune with yourself and in tune with knowing how you're feeling and what you need in that moment in order to be able to come out the other side. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've made many mistakes at those crossroads of, uh, you know, I can think of examples in my career where I've, I've got two jobs at once. I've been lucky enough to get two jobs at once or that there's the crossover and you have to make this choice. And it's not the choice that your agent wants. And because it's the, you know, I'm thinking of an example where I went to work off Broadway instead of doing a TV show. And that was the end of my relationship with my agent. She said, I respect you, but this isn't going to go any further because you've got to earn me some money. Mm. and that's the business and I was like well (laughs) no worries I'm not going to not work with Sam Shepherd so I'm cool with that decision and but then down the track you start to go oh this is hard and you think oh imagine if I'd made that and that's just crazy making because all you can do is the best at the time but there's been a couple of crossroads like that that I that haunt me a little bit sometimes but (laughs) I also know that it's just the best I could do at the time
0: Yeah. And I mean, for theatre, like if, you know, a lot of us do in drama school study theatre and that's where our love first started. So it's really hard when you get those great theatre opportunities to say no to them because you're like, oh, it's just like theatre is just that going back to your roots, I guess, as one would say. And it's just such a different form. And it's just, yeah, I like, I think... People who love doing theatre understand what I'm trying to say, I guess. It's just that, oh, you know, it's something else um, which you just don't get in film and TV. Although film and TV makes you more money, so, (laughs) which is fine. (laughs) So coming out of drama school, um, you know, obviously you've um, done some amazing projects um, in film and TV in Australia before you did go over to America, Um, so what I guess what was your experience in uh, approaching the world coming out of drama school how did you go about kind of learning okay this is what I do in order to progress in my career
1: I worked in a retail store and I had (laughs) a friend from NIDA who worked we, we basically shared the job so that if one of us got an audition we could cover for the other person oh that's so cute yeah, yeah, she's one of my best friends at drama school. So we backed each other up and I think that that's the beauty of that community when you leave, when you're all kind of piecing yourselves together a little mm. bit after you leave and you are, you spat out into this world and some people have agents and some don't and there's heartbreak and there's joy and some people take off and some people don't. And you, re- you realise pretty quickly everyone's journey is going to be very, very different. So I, the first gig I did was a short film up in the Blue Mountains with you and Leslie and Emma Long, that Leon Ford, beautiful friend and director, writer, actor, wrote. So, yeah, I mean, for me, going on to set, I, I, I still remember that time. Really, I remember what the weather was like. I, I remember, it. I remember the catering. Like it's bizarre. It was, <laughs> That's
0: the most important thing, isn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, these early experiences—they—they they do. They're pretty pretty profound on the memory. Mm. And then John Edwards was an incredible support for me. So I was cast in Love, My Way, which at the time was incredibly thrilling because I still think it's one of the better television shows that's been made in Australia. They were taking some really interesting risks. So, yeah, I got lucky with that. And then John also cast me in Rush, before, the, in between that time, I'd also worked on um, an, a HBO show called The Pacific and a film with Joel and Nash Edgerton called The Square. So it was at the end of my two years of, sorry, end of one year at Rush that I, my agent was saying, put your name in for the green card lottery and I had never had aspirations to go to America. I remember, I believe it was Lynn Pierce made us write a letter to ourselves at the end of drama school later <laughs> yes. about what we wanted to do. And all I wanted to do was work at Belvoir and <laughs> work at Belvoir and then I wanted to go to London. They were the sort of that was the clear that that was where my passion was. And that was probably still the case. So when I got the green card in the lottery, long story short, you kind of have to you have to jump at it and initiate it within a certain amount of time. So You know, I ended up in America for 11 years and I was fortunate enough to go on a pretty wacky ride because I had The Square coming out and this role in this HBO show. So I landed an enormously powerful agent and was with her for many years, but it was very tricky. I was was still finding my feet. This was a time when I was only going in for big films, so then you don't work for a year because I was like, can I do some TV stuff? And they're like, they want to see if you'll hit. So there's a whole system there that you feel oh, that it's playing. Goodness. Yeah, It doesn't nice because you just want to work, but you don't, I felt quite powerless. So I was working lots of shitty jobs. I was working in a rehab centre, nannying. And then I was looking after my, I found this class, this woman who I'm, I still um, am. In class with her, her name Nancy Banks, she's sort of one of Larry Moss's sidekicks, but I was nannying her children in order to pay for the class and I just had to keep, I had to keep moving, but um, you know, and then and then it did go bang and I got this huge pilot that didn't end up going, but it was with, um, it was before Orange is the New Black, Genji Cohen was the creator and uh Sam Shepard played my grandfather in that, that's when I first met him and it was Boydie Holbrook, who's now a pretty big star, whatever that means. But he's a, <laughs> star and a wonderful man. But it was his first job, and I remember teaching him how to hit a mark. And like, you know, he had a modelling career and had no idea what he was doing. So I kind of <laughs> a big time now. So yeah, I've had these rides, but then they hold you for many, many months, and then it doesn't go. And then I, I've just had a really kooky kind of time, and it's it's hard to push back against the system. So I by the end of a couple of years, I was like, this isn't working for me. I don't feel happy here. I've got to go to New York. And I had a couple of the, the the most joyful times I've had in that eleven years with the two, three years on and off that I lived in New York working in theater.
0: Really? That's so interesting because New York is such a like a city vibe. Everyone is so close together. And coming from Broome. Well, yeah, but
1: that's oh, why But I loved it because it's just a massive community. You walk out, you Walk out of your apartment and you're in like the United Nations of wackiness. And it's <laughs> for me, that was like, I was, you'd sit on a train and you'd just be observing someone in a fight or someone, you know, like you were constantly observing humanity. Whereas in LA, you're in this, you're in your car and you're going, sitting in traffic. I just found it soul sucking. I found it, I found it really, really hard. Los Angeles is a hard place and I, and I love California. And I would get in my car any chance I had, and I can I can tell you which national parks to go to and the quickest way to Joshua Tree. And I, can, <laughs> I got out a lot. I I bailed a lot because the city is it's it's hard. It's isolating. Whereas New York, I never felt alone, and I always felt safe. I'd be coming home eleven o'clock midnight, walking home through the East Village, and never felt there was always someone around. So I I. I felt very free in that city, mm.
0: stimulated. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if personally. If I I might. I've not been to New York, but I like living in Sydney. I definitely find um, Sydney sometimes a little bit overwhelming um, because look of New the- York,
1: Yes, absolutely. I remember yeah. you catch. I remember catching my um, reflection. And going, whoa! You're looking tired, girl. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. like you get,
1: you get, you get knackered mm. because it's a lot of stimulus. But, yes. um, but at that time, you know, in my mid twenties, I just lapped it up, and I was, and I was working with, you know, I worked with David Rabe and then Sam Shepherd. So I'm working with, and working with, um, um dan oh god i forgot his name daniel orkin daniel sullivan can't remember the daniel sullivan i believe is the director over there that and joe bonnie who is an australian but she is married to eric bogosian who's an, an incredible talent um these amazing people these amazing new mentors that i was working with mm. so i just woke up bounced out of bed loved
0: yeah. it yeah that's true I yeah I think it's just being aware again awareness of yourself and what you need in the moment in order to be able to progress to take on the day, um as it were, um and it's it's so interesting you know I I feel like um with any actor that um anyone would speak to you know um the let me confirm the Pacific was the Steven Spielberg show correct yes yeah, so. You know, you read through your CV of things, you know, that you've done and like, oh, my God, you know, you've worked on the Pacific. But at the same time, you're saying, you know, after that, you were nannying and you were, you know, doing all these odd jobs and whatnot. And people go, oh, that's like, but you're working with Steven Spielberg. Like, what do you mean you have to do all these small jobs? And it's like, but I think that's so encouraging for other actors. They go, oh, my God. Claire's done this and I'm working a part-time job as well as trying to pursue my career and that's okay it's not going to be this moment of like I've booked this job with this person and now I've made it and
1: no I I just I learned really early on to call bullshit on that it's like yeah I'm on set with Diane Keaton and Morgan Freeman going this is cool and I know it's going to be over soon and it may 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 or may not lead to something that actually did there was a producer on that that said something to Clint Eastwood's daughter, Alison Eastwood, is a <clears throat> actress and a, a director, and I ended up doing a film with her afterwards because it was sort of a tip-off from a producer um, because she, she liked me and I had this small role and I was just thrilled to be there. But, you know, that was an indie film and that didn't go anywhere. But, you know, so you don't know what's going to go where and it doesn't matter. I just kind of call... I just call bullshit on the whole thing because I have very dear friends. I have a list active friends who I can tell you at the top of that mountain, they are just as terrified They, I can't, it's it like, I laugh at one of the girlfriends that I speak to that's an A-list star. And if she goes a couple of months without work or she keeps losing out to, you know, the other five A-list stars and she's starting to panic and she's like, it's over. I'm like, you've got to be kidding, but it's, that's how relative it is. Like, it's relative to where you are. The stakes are just, just as high. They're still as insecure. And many, many people that I've met over the years over there, I, I feel that all the time. And, you know, they will work again because it's often those ones that have that humility mm-hmm. and that humanness and the empathy and the compassion and the sense of self and, you know, they're, they're complex
0: human beings. exactly. And it kind of highlights the the need to have that um I like to call it the slashy nature to your work, which means you need to be taking on different jobs within the industry, I would say. So you know, you're like, I'm an actor slash writer, slash producer, is what that means. To be honest,
1: I've always I've found it hard. I've dabbled and I've 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 had a lot of insecurity around that. You know, I did a I've did a course at UCLA last year in novel writing and I wrote a draft of a novel but I can tell you ain't nobody read that you know and I (laughs) I writing a script and I you know I think about it and I don't do it or I dabble and um it's hard and I really I really admire people that that get it done you know Mira Folks is a is a dear friend of mine who's an actress that wonderful actress that she was getting frustrated and um, I hope she won't mind me saying, but like she's, she has a fragility. She's extremely intelligent and and funny and, and wonderful, but there was, she had nerves around how things were going to evolve as an, as an artist, but you know, she, she put away a couple of incredible short films and then really within a few years and then she's making Judy and Punch and it's an extraordinary, brave film. Like it's awesome what she pulled off. So, but I remember her. Um, you know, it's all relative. She was she was pretty terrified writing that thing. Mm. So, but I, but I admire so much my friends that actually get it done and don't sit back because, yeah, I've I've had many a lot of insecurity about that. I'm 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 working on it. That's part of my. I'm working on it.
0: That's I part mean, of my well, yeah, it's forever a journey, isn't it? And I like I can say you know with with podcasting I I still don't really know what I'm doing to be honest and I have so much it's this weird kind of thing of like I've been acting for so long I feel like I've put so much work into acting into um, training that part of me is like okay you know like you know I've put the work in so whenever I do get a job I'm like That makes sense because I did put the work in to get there whereas with podcasting I have such like this what am I doing and this imposter syndrome with it like why are these people talking to me and like just this yeah sometimes I like catch myself being scared I'm like I like someone's gonna find out that I really um yeah don't I'm not the most technical person for audio and then it's just going to all fall apart and it's just yeah it's just this weird thing and no one has ever said anything to me like that would imply any of that but it's that yeah just I don't know I don't know what it is I think it's being a human being
1: we, we yeah we have we have these little runs of feeling pretty confident and backing ourselves and you know we're doing the work but even sometimes when you are doing the work we just we just get a bit wobbly I think that's pretty normal but yeah it took me I'm no kidding I think I was like 30 by the time I could call myself an actor I could, like that's
0: wow
1: like you just think just because you get a few jobs doesn't mean you know and it's crazy of course you are but that's you know unless you're unless you have an income or unless you're consistently working then I used to to feel embarrassed owning it because, of course, in this business there's such a kind of curiosity around, well, what have I seen you in? And and you go, nothing nothing for the last year, so I mustn't be an actor anymore. You know, there's a... Yeah, there's... (laughs)
0: there, there's been some wobbly times with with identity around that for a really long while, you know. And that is the question that every actor gets asked: is Oh, you're an actor. What have I seen you in? And you know, for actors that are early on in their career. And I used to do this so often. And an ex-boyfriend of mine actually caught me out on it. And I, I used to say, Oh, well, nothing yet. Ha ha ha. And he was like, You know you don't see it but the way that people react to you when you say that they kind of really don't know what to say to you after that and it gets a bit awkward and I was like oh my god I am kind of creating this story around the stories
1: we tell ourselves it's powerful because it's also a part of me that's seen you know I'm talking about people that there's insecurity at all at all levels and you know even people that are seemingly really powerful but I also should add that I've also seen this determination in people that are successful where they are quite fearless. People that are really successful, <laughs> there's, there's a fearlessness to them as well. You know, that they, they fake it till they make it even, or they know how to talk the talk. I've watched it and I'm just gone, I know they're kind of bullshitting, but they're making themselves sound and I never had that. But it does make me sad because sad to hear you say that and sad when I hear young artists talk like that because it's something to be so proud of. You know this, what we're going through right now in this period, and there's so much to talk about. Job keeper and artists being left behind, and 40% of our community not working, and you know these incredible, like just the, the bullshit that's going on with us feeling like, oh, do we have to jump up and down and, and make a point that we're worthy? And it, it just, it really hits me in the heart because it's important. It's so important what we do, and I really believe in it now. But in my 20s, I was, I was wobbling through going, oh, is this just a... Is this worthy? And it is. And, like, that's part of the next part of my life's journey is, like, backing this shit up and going, this is really important. Artists mm. are... And I think as the world is getting... Feeling right now very wobbly, and my spending years in America and watching Obama get in and then watching Trump get in and watching the, you know, watching what's happening in the world. Yeah. And just knowing that these leaders are making these decisions, but the artists are going to be telling the stories about all of this. And that will, that it feeds back in. And this is where we learn. It's where we learn and where we feed and where we understand humanity. So yeah, I'm, I'm hurting right now that, that artists are feeling less than, because it's it's not right. It's something to be super, super proud of.
0: Oh, of course. And I was saying this to um Eamon Flack yesterday, um, because you know he, he's the artistic director at Belvoir. And um obviously um he has a great passion for trying to um be a spokesperson for artists at the moment and um trying to Um, get them some sort of compensation while they're not working and I just I said to him I if they want to take away the arts if they want to say do you know what the arts are down here in terms of um, the government's interests Um, We don't think we need you. I say let them take away the arts and see what happens to society because society will fall apart. You cannot have a society without creativity, you know. At the very least, people need creative expression in the smallest of ways in order to, I think, live a happy lifestyle. And so if you take away the arts, no one... No one's allowed to watch TV, then no one's allowed to listen to the radio, no one's allowed to listen to music, no one's allowed to look at art because you've taken the arts away and then just see what happens. And I I bet they'd all come crawling back to us is what I've been. (laughs) This is just the image I've been playing in my mind to get me through this time. But I just you cannot have a society without the arts. You just cannot. It doesn't function um, is, is what I think. So I hope we don't have to get to that. And I,
1: yeah, we, 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 we got to keep, keep doing what we can. And every, you know, every day during this strange time, doing what we can to stay healthy through it and Mm. getting inspired to, you know, going into our little caves and thinking, you know, without like, there's, you know, there's a lot of talk about like, Oh God, everyone's being so creative and I'm not. And, you know, when people are feeling bad about that, they're, just watching netflix or they're just reading a book and it's like i don't know at the moment just go gently because it's it's you know i definitely think you should be could be i shouldn't say should be It, it is an opportunity to be sitting in this strange time to use these sort of feelings and this experience that we won't probably have again in our lifetime you know it is an interesting thing to sit with and feel all the feelings around it but um yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to write your play or your novel during this time. It'd be great if we, you all can, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also, I'm just saying there's a lot going on in the in the air that that can make that a So we're all just kind of doing what we can do.
0: I completely agree. I think being kind to yourself during this time is so important and yeah, it is, it is that guilt of like, well, I should write that film that I've been wanting to write for however long I've got the time now. But I think, you know, you can also use this time just to discover things about yourself, just really discover what it is to feel what you feel and um, what that brings up for you, that sort of thing. You know, all of the unconscious stress, even if you're not aware of it, in the moment um it's really weighing on everyone you know that's why everyone's like why am I tired but I've slept in every day this week it's like because there's the unconscious stress and just to be aware of that and to think you know what if I if I just want to sit on the lounge today that's okay and that's something that I really struggle with is not feeling guilty about having a day in bed I really I'm like, oh Rachel, you had podcasts to edit and you know you could have filmed a self tape, but you didn't and you know, where where's your career going? <laughs> Which is such a lie that you just tell yourself and it's you know, it's just I guess the awareness of it first and foremost is a good place to start from in order to combat those beliefs. That's true.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. Naming is good. Hmm. Um so You've started coaching now at The Hub. Um, do you coach anywhere else as well? Uh, I've done, you know, I've definitely
1: done bits over the years in Los Angeles and uh, with NIDA Open Program in the last little while. I've been dipping my toe in there. I have been, yeah, very nervous about how I would go as a teacher and a, and a guide and I'm, I'm loving it. And I And I think simply coming from a place of... <laughs> vulnerability and care is just a good place to start and i'm learning a ton and i'm adoring my students and i'm i'm blown away by the 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 curiosity and and again at this time they're so eager and grateful to be able to jump into some work while other things are sort of crumbling around them you know a lot of students in my class have lost their jobs so they're so grateful to have things to work on during the week to refocus and energize them so I'm feeling incredibly grateful to um yeah to to be teach is a funny word isn't it to be a <laughs> kind of that sounding like a kind of woo-woo to like hold just hold the space for them to to do their own exploration as well because I'm I'm very much learning um but I'm I'm loving it I'm feeling quite passionate about it so
0: Yeah. Mm, What um, was there kind of a moment initially when you did start um, coaching? Yeah. Was there a a want to become a coach eventually sometime in your career or was it something that kind of just popped up and you went, I guess I can give that a try and see where it goes? It's been very
1: organic because in Los Angeles having so many – Friends who are actors and doing, you know, self tapes in the last five years, a kind of feel like eighty to ninety percent of what's, you know, the way that the system's moving these days. So I feel that I am often called on, my friends. I, I always say yes, unless I can't. I'll say yes, of course, I help you um, run lines or, or especially self tape, and then just natu- a natural progression to start going. Well, maybe you could play with this, or why don't we just throw it down this way and it becomes sort of a little play session so and and loving that enjoying that I, <laughs> I had to dinner with David Michaud a couple of weeks ago who's a he you know wrote Animal Kingdom and The King and a bunch of friends and I was talking really passionately about helping this young guy my agent had called up and said can you help this young graduate with a with a tape and And he was fabulous, and he kept mucking up this stuff. And the stuff that he was mucking up was the gold of the piece, because I was like, just because he kept stopping, and I was like, no, 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 push through. And one of my favourite bits of his tape was when he mucked up and kind of soldiered on, and it was so it was appropriate for the role. Um, I don't say that that you know, because he'd done the work, he was just sort of feeling nervous, so. Mm. But, yeah, Misha was teasing me, just going, you want to be a director and you're just hiding there. <laughs> I'm far too terrified. So the, the sort of stepping stone maybe to that dream that I don't know I have yet is probably where I'm at now, which is, um, yeah, just because I, I I just feel like, oh, my God, how could I ever call myself a director? There's so much work to do between where I am now and there. So right now I'm just going gently, gently. But I also naturally you know coming into my 30s as I was coming into my 30s you start to go you start to want to I don't know community becomes more important like the ego kind of falls away a bit the bullshit 20s stuff about needing to succeed and I'm grateful that that's sort of behind me the little the little tough tough it out wrestler that needed to I don't know be successful it's it's you know I was saying before I, I realized it's it's a bit of a nonsense it's it's all in the it's all in the journey <laughs> <which> is so <laughs> so it is and therefore for me the, i love working with community and i love working with young adults and even kids um i learn a ton from being part of communities um like a ton so yeah good life food so it's just been a natural progression and I was at drama school with Oliver Wen. we were in the same year, we were roommates
0: for three oh, years. Oh, the goss comes so, out now we know. Yeah,
1: so <laughs> Oliver, had, Oliver had emailed me maybe two years ago and said, would you do a Q&A and what you do with this? And at the time it just wasn't right. So I'd reached out to him, I guess about six months ago and said, after 11 years in the States, I I do want to be spending more time at home. I've worked here more in the last couple of years. and." Yeah, I, I feel ready to be more based out of Australia, even though I will be still spending quite a bit of time in the States, but wanting to kind of just reverse the, the, the living arrangement. So we had a big chat and he was like, well, you know, we'll just keep in touch. And so it's just it's evolved naturally when a space opened up for me to jump in. And, I've, and I I and because I'd done some stuff with NIDA Open and coached quite a lot in L.A., I, I found it. Yeah, fairly, fairly easy to slip into.
0: It's so interesting when you um, find those moments in your career where you think, you know what, I, 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 I want to go down this route now because it's going to make me happy. Like coming, you were saying, you know, you d- you've you decided after living in America for so long to come back to Australia because that's what you wanted to do, you know. And some people might think, but America's where it's at, Claire. You um, know, I did where 11 all the work is. <laughs> Yeah. You've had your time. Let her come home. That's right. And I think people don't understand that you have to have this balance of, you know, pursuing your career as well as just living your life and living the life that you want to live. Um, it's so important. So, yeah. And that's, I, obviously I have an incredible community in Los Angeles and
1: it was hard to kind of make that decision, but it's also not a black and white decision. That's why I sort of no. talk a bit, bit wishy-washy about it because it's very grey. You know, we're living in a time that I don't want to be flying back and forth too much, but I'm super grateful that I'm in a position where, you know, I have wonderful, wonderful representation over there that's really supportive about me living my life a little bit more in Australia, getting... Because I'm more inspired here. I was doing a research and development for a small company last year you know again in between jobs and going I need some money and I was getting paid to do a bunch of interviews to research a new television show and it was up in in um, Colorado and I'm interviewing you know this wonderful I remember this point and I'm interviewing this grave digger he's a returning a Vietnam <laughs> oh vet yeah. and he's in the middle of Colorado and he's been digging graves there since he returned he lives in his car he was talking about how he digs up um you know how hard it is to <laughs> dig holes in the ground during the winter to bury these bodies and how long it takes him and he had no teeth and he was and he had this really incredible kind of take on life and mortality and obviously trauma and i was there going this is amazing but i remember the point that i thought oh god i want to be i want to be doing this in australia like i want to be learning more about our stories i feel so mm-hmm. much more connected to australian stories and because it's so, we're in, there's so much work to be done here with our communities and the voices that are getting through. And I don't know yet how exactly I'm going to be a part of that, but I remember that point in the States a couple of years ago going, I don't, I didn't have the, I didn't have the love to put the energy in there as much as I do here for that type of work. Mm.
0: So that was
1: a bit of a catalyst for
0: me. Yeah. Right. And I think that that, for me you know hearing this a similar thing from different people i think coming back to the question of why why are you doing this work why are you in this industry um the why is incredibly important i think the why are you telling this specific story and why are you the right person to tell this specific story i think that is um a question that creates amazing work if you can answer it truthfully Because I think sometimes we get caught up in the, well, I just want to make a film and be in a film and it doesn't matter what it's about and, you know, why I'm telling this character's story, I think. But you learn these along the way. You have to do some of those. And also, just to add to that,
1: that's very true, but also, you know, having these Wonderful young students, and them saying, "How am I going to break in? How do I do this?" And fortunately or not, you just don't know where you're going to learn those lessons. So you think, "Oh, this short film—it's a bit dumb," but you just don't know who you're going to meet. So you
0: don't know.
1: Yeah, it's a fine line because, of course, yeah, if it's some sort of super-violent horror, and that's not something that you believe in, then you draw the line. So, and you're allowed to do that. Of course, of course, you must be aware of where your boundaries are, but. But also, yeah, there's something to be said for just jumping in the playpen.
0: For sure, and I think it's the other lesson that you learn from doing that is um, that eventually you can start saying no to work that you don't feel connected to and that you don't want to do. I think early on in your career, you kind of are in this space of like well I'm just gonna say yes to everything because I'm so grateful that I've been cast in this role so yes of course but then eventually you kind of land oh this is not really serving me well Um, you also want to work with good people because
1: that's something that if you you know I've I've met met a few hacks (laughs) over my we all we (laughs) all have (laughs) And, and I'm you know, I say that I've been on and off in this class in LA for, for about ten years. I've also done can't even count how many other different workshops, um, and I've gone to different. And I thought, oh, you know, I should try a different coach. And I've I've ordered to pretty much every class in LA, and it infuriated me how some of them work, and it infuriated me how they were teaching people to work. <laughs> like, <laughs> of course, more perspective. But some of it was a bit dangerous and weird. And and what you're talking about, it's the same thing as you do also learn a lot from working with good, talented people. That is, that's where I've learned a hell of a lot. So, and that takes time to be able to get in the in the space with them. But yes, fine tricky stuff, <laughs> tricky, tricky stuff to navigate. Oh, when to say no sure. and when to go. And-
0: yeah, it is. And, you know, it's hard because... I think as an actor in your 20s, you have this idea that if you don't do something in your 20s, that's it. In your 30s, they're not going to want you or whatever. And so it's this kind of rushed idea. But I think in reality, this career takes time because you need to be evolving as a person as well in order to create interesting and inspiring work and so that that can't be rushed and so unfortunately you're just gonna have to take your time (laughs) but very patient yeah. yeah um well Claire thank you so much for being on the podcast today I really appreciate you coming on um now obviously on the hub studio website um you're, you, they can read up about you and whatnot do you have um any social media or any websites that you want to plug whilst you're here no I really don't <laughs> <laughs> that's so very average relationship with uh social media that's totally fine you're very aloof you're the mysterious Claire Vanderboom <laughs> I'm pretty private at the end of the day, I guess. I, I find it, I,
1: I find all that stuff weird. I, I always wish that I'd never even gone on Instagram because I think, um, oh, I don't know. You're stuffed if you're doing your stuffed if you don't because it's, oof, I don't know anymore. But yeah. my relationship, with it's never been comfortable. You do you. <laughs>
0: well, thank you again and we'll talk to you soon. Great,
1: thanks so much.